Welcome to the chase. Chiefs of White Arc podcast aimed at specifically giving you an insight into what makes great leaders and entrepreneurs in a variety of organisations tick. We call them Chiefs. My name is James Chuffatelli and together with my White Arc co-chief, Joe Hands, we're going to attempt to take you on a journey and talk to as many Chiefs across as many industries as we can to give you an insight into A, what makes them tick and B, what makes their enterprises thrive and more importantly, what they've learnt along the way. The Chiefs. Welcome to another edition of The Chiefs. And this week, I'm really, really excited to have in the hot seat, Steve Gratian. Welcome, Steve. Thanks, James. It's good to be here. Well, really looking forward to talking to you today. Stephen uh, has got such an amazing entrepreneurial story to tell, uh, having sort of worked in his industry and his business for so long, but having founded it at a time where there was no digital, there was, you know, the, the world was a totally different uh, beast and he's had to sort of metamorphosize and transform over the years and has done so, so successfully. So there's so much for us to learn from Steve. So Steve, my opening question is always tell me a little bit about yourself. Well, James, yeah, I've, I've been in the um, the textile industry. I'm a textile agent and I've been in the textile industry for the last 45 years. How did I get into the textile industry? Well, um, at, I wasn't particularly good at school, didn't have any idea what I wanted to do and hence failed form six in those days. And, and then just as my mother suggested that I should sort of try and go for different jobs to see what I enjoyed doing and I was lucky enough to get into um, a textile wholesale business that was located in Carlton and the gentleman I worked for specialised in woolen fabrics and it was just a very small company. So I started there in the warehouse and then six months later I was out selling textiles and I think when I was about 18 and a half I was sent to Tasmania on a trip where I had to catch a bus because I wasn't old enough to rent a car around Tasmania, but I was thrown to the wall. So I was lucky enough to get the opportunity and um, I ran with it. And I was with that company for around 13 years. Two and a half years after I started, it was taken over by a bigger company, but I was given opportunities there that really sort of, um, I was very fortunate, but it's like anything in life, you get opportunities and you've just got to make the most of them. So I started traveling for that company when I was 22 and I ended up sort of getting quite a senior position there before I ended up leaving the company 13 years later because I wanted to start my own business. And 32 years ago, I started uh, Steve Gration Textiles, which is a textile agency business in Melbourne and we source and represent textile suppliers from all around the world and sell to people in the fashion industry in Australia. An amazing context piece to begin with, but you know, here you are, you've uh, taken, I love your your mum's analogy, thrown to the wolves, but you've really taken that on board and taken every opportunity, even on the bus ride around Tasmania to learn, learn about the business and then the business gets bought out. So talk to me about the early you start Steve Gratian Textiles. Talk to me about some of the early dreams and ambitions and, you know, uh, could you ever have imagined it being what it is today, Steve? I honestly never thought. I, I Actually, I didn't know what it would become. All I knew was that I wanted to start my own business. My father worked in the same company for 30 years. He always talked about 
starting his own business, but he never did it. And I always had this ambition that one day I wanted to try. I wasn't afraid of failure because um, I thought if it doesn't work, well, I'll go back and get a job somewhere. But when I started the business, I, I think that actually the 13 years that I was with the company I work for, a company called Richard Allen's, which was a quite a big company, I found that that was like my apprenticeship. And when I went out to start my own business, it seemed a lot easier because in a bigger company, there's all the political things that happen. But when you go out and start your own business, you can make your own decisions. And um, so I found the process quite easy, to be quite honest. Starting my own business, I was lucky enough to find a small space somewhere. I was very important to keep the costs down and the business started. And after a few years, I couldn't believe that the business was as successful as it was. You know, it, we were, there was a lot of good fortune, but I think it was prior to that working for the company that I'd worked for before that really helped me prepare for my own business. I love that analogy that you treated uh, uh, working for, for Richard Allen almost like an apprenticeship. Yeah, no, it was. And the company, when I first started with Moylan's, like this was a very small company. And um, if I had joined Richard Allen's at that same time, I probably wouldn't have been given the opportunities. But when I started at Moylan's, I had two and a half years where I did a lot of things in the business and had no problem about doing that. And I think that's the other key issue is that in today's world, when people talk about, you know, being paid and the amount of money that they want to earn. It was never something that really drove me. I, for me, it was just trying to do a better job and be better at what I was doing and everything else would look after itself. And so getting the opportunity at Moylan's, then the company merging with a bigger company and having that opportunity to go overseas and and being involved in different things in that company before I decided that I wanted to try and start my own business and and give it a shot. And if it worked, great. If it didn't, too. I love the mindset, Steve. So you, you didn't know necessarily where it would go, where it would land. You know, in corporate, people are talking about, you know, five-year plans, 20-year plans. But your view was, hey, you know what, you're inspired by your dad, who I wouldn't say it was a regret, but you're inspired by your dad, hardworking, what have you, but nev never went out on his own. And you thought, hey, I'm not afraid. So mm -hmm. that fear factor, he said, well, you know what, worst case, I think your exact words were, you know what, I'll go find a job. But you you wanted to learn. So that was a, a real value that you certainly took on from the early years and in, with uh, with Moylan's and, and Richard Allen. And mm -hmm. then you spoke a fair bit about, you know, you love the fact that you're accountable, right? And yep. you, uh, managing costs was something else I heard, but mm -hmm. really being motivated by being better every day. I'm curious from your perspective, you fast forward all these years, what's changed? I mean, the business has changed. You've got now, it's an international business, a swag of employees, and you've been uber successful. But but what's changed in terms of, of your motivational set? What I like about what we do, um, and I, I feel so lucky that I come to work each day and I'm doing something that I enjoy. We're in the fashion business. It's it's not an easy industry, but what I really enjoy about it is that there's always something new happening and there's always new challenges. And, and I think it's like any business that you can go down one direction and not be prepared to change. And um, you'll eventually, you know, you'll start to fail. But I, I think you've got to be constantly open to change and and I think 
that's what's happened in our business along the way. The first, you know, I've been in business 32 years. The first 10 years, we were very successful. And, you know, for the last probably 20 years, we've gone up and down, but we've been reasonably sort of consistent. But we've always looked for new ways of doing business. There's probably less and less customers around. When I first started the business, because we're basically a broker between the overseas supplier and and the customer that we're selling to, 90% of what we were selling was coming to Australia and being produced locally. Now, probably 10% comes to Australia and is produced. And so the other 90% is, is being produced offshore. So the customers that we're working with, we have to be constantly coming up with new product and be innovative. And that's why we're, we still travel, you know, two or three times a year to find new product, new ideas, because we have to provide a point of difference to what the local companies uh, can source from their own manufacturing sources in China and Vietnam, places like that. So we've got to be innovative and and that covers all areas of our business. You've, you've got to be constantly thinking about how can I be better than the next guy? I love your ability. You constantly talk about pivoting and innovation and how the business started in one domain, 90% uh, initially, then it all goes offshore. COVID hits in in 2020 and uh, nobody could have possibly planned for that. How do you pivot for that? And uh, just take me through that from your perspective. It had a big impact on the Australian economy, certainly for us Victorians. We we saw it hit particularly hard. What did it do to your business and how did you manage it? Oh, well, it's really affected our business because being in the fashion industry, you know, most of the customers that we deal with, and most of our customers are companies that have got their own stores. Fortunately, most of the customers that we sell to sell, they've got stores Australia-wide and they've also got an online presence. Um, But our business was affected. But what I can see now is that, you know, now that things are getting back to normal, business is going to change because because I believe that many of the customers that we work with won't necessarily be coming into the office every day. That may mean for the, you know, for the companies that they may not need sites as big as what they had before. It's probably pushed the online business, you know, that's probably sort of developing a lot quicker than, you know, if what we were talking about sort of 12 months ago. And from our side, I think that what we'll be doing is that we will probably have to be setting ourselves up more where we can have these online meetings. It, we were always trying to get in front of the customer it, and it's still the best way, I believe, to show new product, particularly when you're talking about textiles to you know see and feel it. But we've also got to embrace the situation now that we're, we're going to have to sort of be trying to, um, there'll be also that online presence, even even looking at collections from overseas that we'll have to embrace that side of it too, because for us to survive, we've got to be constantly looking at giving our customers the best possible service, being in innovative with what we're doing. And yes, the, the COVID has really sort of affected the business, but you've got to keep on thinking, you've keep, got to keep on going forward. I love that, again, you, I love your agility and just being open to, well, you know what, 
this year was COVID, last year was probably something else, but your ability to pivot, but you also talk quite heavily about there, you're actually now embracing technology and maybe video and, and, and different ways to communicate with uh, both your suppliers and, and your agents and the manufacturers and what have you. I think that's a, a real lesson for, for everybody. You've got a young and, um, and I'm not suggesting you're not young, Steve, but you've got a young and budding entrepreneur in your daughter who's making her way, uh, you know, early days, early entrepreneur. What would be the uh, single most important bit of advice that you would give her or any young entrepreneur kicking off? Yeah, well, uh, my daughter, Isabel, she's got like a, I'll give her a plug. It's um, Stella Gifting. It's an online gifting business. And she's also, apart from that, she's also doing corporate gifting. But she started the business two years ago. And probably the first bit of advice I gave her was that she was started from home, but she was wanting to go into some sort of um, office, which I suggested she shouldn't do. Because I think the key thing when you start any business is to keep your overheads down as low as possible. Don't spend money that you haven't got. And like most daughters, they don't listen to their their parents. So um, <laughs> she, she 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 went into a she went into an office anyway. But her business has really developed. I must say that the positive about being in the office that she's gone into is that you've got a lot of like-minded people around. And I think that for people starting their own business, at times you doubt yourself. And by being able to talk to other people that may have similar issues in their uh, life or business, I think it helps you get through. Yeah. So for me, the main area is to try and keep your overheads down and try and be as, you've got to be conservative too, because um, yeah, you've got to be practical about what you're doing, but keep your overheads down and um, just be sensible, you know? And I think that in the business that I went into, I don't think I'm a, well, I think the one thing I've got going for me is probably common sense. And and I think in any business, that's a key area that, you know, if you've got that, it, you can get through most things. I, I think that's just amazing. I mean, Stella's so lucky to have you in her corner guiding uh, her, and I'm sure she, she understands that. But that whole concept of don't doubt yourself, be sensible. You talked about costs. I mean, some reoccurring themes here is so valuable. What about on the flip side? You spoke earlier a, a fair bit about some of the favorite things that you loved about being entrepreneurial and being in your own business. Were there any particular struggles that you can recall that, you know, that you might say, okay, well, I didn't enjoy those bits, but here's what I learned? Not really. I, I For me, you know, I grew up in an environment where you never took success for granted. And as I said, in the first 10 years of this business, we, we did really well, but I didn't sort of think it was going to last forever. I was very appreciative of, you know, what happened. But for me, I always enjoyed the challenges of trying to develop new business. Um, it was good, the business that we were getting, but it was also trying to find a new path of bringing business in. Um, but along the way, there has been, there's definitely been challenges in our business because, you know, when a lot of the business went offshore, when customers started getting fully fashioned garments made in China, you know, those customers thought, well, this is an easy process. We don't really need a Steve anymore. We can do all this ourselves. So it was a difficult time, a difficult period. But then what we found is that we had to have a point of difference. We had to have a, you know, because what was happening was a lot of the product that was, um, the customers were getting was, you know, fully fashioned, but made in China. So then we sort of, we've always fo tried to focus on doing something different. So 
you know, we're doing a lot of business out of Japan, Korea, Europe, Turkey and markets and, and always being open to sort of look for new markets that could be a little bit different from what was already about, from what our competition was doing. That's so good. So what you're basically saying is that for, for every challenge you viewed it as an opportunity to to maybe look at it from a different perspective and see whether you couldn't turn it into an opportunity somewhere else. I mean, I you know I love the fact that you know some markets were saturated or or the uh, supply chain changed and uh, you you flipped on that edge. So you went and found new markets or you went and found ways to deal with the new supply chain in China and what have you. I think it's a it's a real great lesson for for young and or for any entrepreneur out there to to be honest with you. I've got a couple more questions for you, Steve. How did being an entrepreneur affect your relationships with your friend and and family and 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 I ask this from the perspective of I mean was there a cost or is there a cost I don't think so um I think anyone that starts their own business you have to put the time in nothing comes easy and you have to work hard and in my small way I have had some success but I take the most pride in that the people that were my friends when I grew up are still my friends today and that they will, they can still say to me that I haven't changed, which I think is fantastic because you can see other people, there was a lot of other people that they have a bit of success and then suddenly they feel that they've got to be mixing in different groups and, and they've sort of gone past the friends that they had when they were growing up. So for me, it it's, makes me very happy that I'm still friends with the same people that I was friends with when I was, you know, 15, 16 years of age. One of the most, um, and I've known you for quite some time, Steve, one of the most uh, fantastic attributes, and you've got many, uh, I think your work ethic is without a doubt, you know, second to none, but you're one of the most uh, humble people I know. So that's an absolute credit to you and I can uh, absolutely uh, support what, what you just put forward there. Oh, one last question. If you never had to work again, Stephen, and you, uh, what would you do and why? Now, you're not allowed to say you would be going to be a pro cyclist because that would be an <laughs> obvious answer. No. Um, well, I always, you know, I, I must admit, you know, like I'm 63 years of age because the other question is that when do you retire? But I, I still enjoy working. But I, when I turned 60, I decided that you've got to have probably more balance in your life. And I've been lucky enough to be able to do, you know, to travel a fair bit. So I enjoy the life that I've got. But the dream was that, you know, if I ever got to the point where I wasn't going to be working anymore, that I would probably spend a certain amount of time in in Melbourne, a certain amount of time up in Queensland and a certain amount of time overseas skiing. And But I would probably still work, you know, still do something because not that you would have to, but because it, it's being involved and doing something, you know, I think is so important. Yeah, I, like I feel very lucky. I feel sorry for people that go to work every day and they don't enjoy what they do. I, I feel the challenges that I've got on a daily basis, I really enjoy, and I feel blessed, to be quite honest. So, um, very lucky. And I think we're lucky to have uh, actually had had this moment with you. I uh, <laughs> I have no doubt, first of all, that you, you'll never have a, a day not not actually being entrepreneurial, knowing who you are. But some of the insights that you've given us in terms of the the early days, just uh, some of the virtues and values that were important to you. Certainly, we spoke about working hard, taking things to account, not being afraid. Look, you know what? So many great lessons for so many people, and I can't thank you enough for agreeing to come on and and be on the Chiefs and share some of your journey, which will be so rich for so many people. Thanks again, Steve. Thanks, James. Thank you.